Vineyard Church St Albans. Hope you enjoy it. Um, as uh, Chris said, my name is Richard, I'm on staff here, um, and uh, you are joining us in the middle of a series called Heroes, which I think we're running until September, so we're just picking out people from the Bible that uh, have heroic traits or qualities or stories that we just want to share and encourage and, uh, and excite us all. So um, I've got mine lined up today, but as always when I'm doing one of these Heroes talks, I like to pick out some uh, personal heroes of myself, uh, my own. So the first one I've got to mention is a man called Matt Dudley. And he's sitting up there. Hello, Matt. Hello. I haven't told you why he's a hero yet, so well done there, but he deserves that. Uh, first of all, foremost, we've been friends for a long time since university, and as Matt puts it, we, we know too much about each other to ever stop being friends, uh, which worries me slightly. But, uh, but the other thing is it's Matt's birthday. Hey, isn't that fantastic? Um, and he's serving on AV. I mean, that is, that is one committed guy. Uh, but also, I mean, come on, guys, help a brother out. I mean, there's, there, we, if, if you are free on a Sunday morning, that is one of the teams we need extra people with. So if you can press a few buttons and fire up the words behind us, then please speak to Matt and, and make his, uh, his birthday a happy day. Go for it. The other one, uh, the other um, heroes that I want to talk about are, um, I've mentioned them before, but they are incredible. The Discipleship Year guys. Uh, now, these are heroes for a number of reasons, but, um, but they, these are guys that have l literally surrendered an entire year. So they surrendered, it was two days a week, but they said, okay, God, uh, and what, do you, what can you do with me if I surrender that time? What, what can I do around the church to help out? What, what could happen? And as a result, they, they committed to that, and it's been an absolute blast. I mean, they, they have grown massively. They have grown confidence and trust in God themselves. And, and most importantly, they've gained a clarity and passion for what lies before them. Um, so I am excited about those guys. They, they are heroes to me. So last week was their final week. Very sad. And we decided we were going to go out and celebrate. So we went to Thorpe Park on the, possibly the wettest day of the week. Um, it always happens. And we went uh, and we had a fantastic time. We uh, jumped on this ride that you, you literally get fired off about naught uh, to 80 miles an hour in less than two seconds. It's pretty impressive. Um, but uh, for this incredibly long 13 second ride, we were queuing for about 50 minutes. Okay? Now, while we were queuing for 50 minutes in the pouring rain, I was standing there explaining to these guys that I keep on meaning to buy a waterproof jacket, but I just haven't got around to it. And they were looking at me and seeing me get soaking wet and then whispering to each other. I was like, what's going on here? And then the next day, we went out for lunch together, and they presented me with this present. And I opened this present. It was a waterproof jacket. It was so sweet. That's what I thought until I asked them, you know, was it because you had pity on me and you saw me getting wet? And they were like, actually, no, we, uh, we got it about a week ago. Um, and to make things really worse, it was sitting in the car at Thorpe Park, and they were whispering to each other, saying, should we get it for him? He looks wet. No, no, give it to him tomorrow, it'll be fine. Now, despite that, these guys have been amazing, as I've said. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been through a lot. We've been excited. We've, been, we've achieved a lot together. We've, you know, we've walked a lot together. We've accomplished some things. We've, we've also helped each other through a lot of things as well. And it's been an amazing year. And I've got to say, when they left on, on Tuesday and all of Wednesday, I was literally just moping around the office. Like, you know, I was just basically no use to anyone. I was so sad. 
Now, okay, fair enough. These guys aren't actually going anywhere. They're sticking around. They're, they're just going on to do whatever the, you know, God feels call, has called them to do. Um, and so I'm over it now, so don't worry about that. But it did get me thinking. You know, sometimes something happens to us or we experience something. And it's such a struggle. It's such a problem that we just can't seem to shake it. And before we know it, we suddenly find ourselves not functioning on all cylinders or we're not in our best form. We may feel hurt, we may feel like we've messed up, it's, it's irredeemable. But ultimately, it just feels like from that point onwards, you just feel like you're going through life with a limp, never really achieving everything you want to do. You know, never mind becoming a hero that we're talking about. Sometimes it's just hard being yourself. And so what I want to do today is, is talk about and answer this question. How do we get free from our past and present problems in order to take hold of the life, the best life and best plan that God has in store for us. To do this, I'm going to use one of my favorite people in the entire Bible. I love this guy. Uh, many of you may not have even heard of him before, but when I read this story for the first time a few years ago, um, quite a number of years ago actually, it impacted my life so much that it changed my entire perspective of myself and my attitude towards myself and my attitude towards God. Now, this guy's name is Onesimus. Has anyone heard of that name before, just out of interest? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Uh, so, and we find him in a book of, um, uh, I've been corrected on this, it's Philemon, which um, uh, it's a book in the Bible, it's just left of Hebrews. There's different ways of pronouncing these names. Philemon, honestly to me, just sounds like a Jamaican man from Philadelphia. Philemon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but anyway, Philemon, so I have to keep on correcting myself. Philemon is this guy. He's a, he's, a wealthy, um, he's a wealthy guy, and he actually has slaves, which is relatively normal at that time. Uh, and in addition to that, he's a Christian guy who hosts a church that takes place in his house. So this letter is written to him, and it's written about Onesimus. Now, Onesimus, um, in this story, in this letter, which we'll read in a second, he's a guy that used to be a slave for Philemon. But actually, he ran away, he fled. And in doing so, probably he stole some stuff and took it with him and just ran for the hills, basically. Now, we catch up, you know, it's a bit later on that he finds himself in Rome and he comes across the, the Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, uh, in prison. And, um, and they, over time, they become really good friends. And then ultimately, uh, Onesimus gives his life to Christ and is transformed, he's changed. And he ends up becoming a really good friend of Paul's. More so, he ends up becoming an incredible, powerful ally, a, a co-worker, if you will, with Paul, doing incredible things with, with the gospel, with min, uh, ministering uh, around that area. But there's this thing hanging over his head, this thing that follows him around. And eventually, Paul sits him down and says, come on, Onesimus, we have to talk about this. And they agree between themselves that actually this, this thing is holding Onesimus back. And in order for Onesimus to get free, he's going to have to go back and face Philemon. And so he does. And he does so armed only with this letter. So let's read it. Um, it will come up on the screens. As always, we'd love to give you a Bible if you haven't got one. So do grab one of those after the service. Uh, he does some pleasantries at the beginning. And um, Paul's writing to the church, greeting everyone. And then he opens up with some encouragement about their faith and their love. And then it's almost like the whole letter goes, okay, well, that's the church. But now you, Philemon, listen to what I have to say to you. And he says this. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, 
an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become both, uh, useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have kept keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but rather voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated you from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done anything, uh, anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very own self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Some further greetings, and there says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Okay, I'm gonna let you into something now. This uh, person, this guy, Onesimus, he's not like the other heroes that we've preached and talked about so far. Now, you've got to realize this, this is pretty much all we get from the Bible about Onesimus. There's no big end story. Um, there's no massive, amazing thing that he conquers and, and comes out a huge, transformed guy. This is all the Bible tells us about him. But the reason why I picked him as a hero is because I think in this process, he's making some incredibly powerful, key, life-changing decisions, choices. And it's those that I want to share with you and those that I want to unpack to reveal just how much of a hero he is, especially to me. So first of all, his first choice that he makes is he chose to stop running and face his problems. Let's play a clip. Okay, everybody, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Pinky Resistance. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this nose. <laughs> Congratulations, Homer. Your cue is a huge success. Hey, a toast to the host you can boast the most roast. <laughs> Thanks, Flanders. I have to agree that everything certainly... Boy, <gasps> 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 no! What? Sorry, force of habit. Lisa! No! <laughs> it's just a little dirty. It's still good. It's still good. It's just a little slimy. It's still good. It's still good. Just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. It's good. I know. <laughs> you know, Smithers, I think I'll donate a million dollars to the local orphanage. When pigs fly. Will you be donating that million dollars now, sir? Mm, no, I'd still prefer not. Brilliant. 
This scene is absolutely fantastic. I love it. It's, uh, you know, that moment the pig rolls down the hill, uh, it's gone. It's, it's history. But yet Homer chases after it, and he f- refuses to give up on it. Oh, it's just a little dirty. It's still good. It's still good. Falls into the river. Oh, it's just a bit slimy. It's still good. It's still good. And then just launches off into the distance. Oh, it's just a bit airborne. It's still good. It's still good. You know, we can so often be the same when we face an obvious problem in our lives. We live in that place of denial that anything's lost or broken. But we quietly endure it going, it's still good, it's still good, don't worry about it. But the truth is, is that it's, it's not. So, let me ask you a question. What's your problem? I'm not trying to start a fight here, I'm, I'm asking you a question. <laughs> what is your problem? What is it that you're telling yourself? And everyone else around you who asks you that question, no, 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 it's still good, it's all right, don't worry, it's fine. Maybe it's relational. Maybe, you know, you're, you're arguing a lot at home or with your partner or with a friend and, and you know, it's, you answer the question, oh, well, you know, everyone does it, it's, it's fine, it's, it's still good, it's still good. Maybe it's uh, physical, maybe you've come across a lump and you convince yourself, no, 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 it's, it's, it's nothing serious, it's still good, it's still good. Maybe it's financial, you know, this is a time of year where you spend loads of money and you, you know, we'll go off to holiday, you know, it's, it's that time of year that we spend loads of money, you know, it, it'll be fine, I'm in control. It's still good, it's still good. Or maybe it's spiritual. Maybe no one knows about that that sin, that temptation, that addiction that you struggle with. You know, it's not hurting anyone, It's, it's just a little thing I do to relax. It's not that big a deal. It's still good, it's still good. You know, we continue to deny and ultimately run from our problems. But it's only when you stop running and face your problems, can we experience that healing that God so desperately wants to give us? He's the only one that can help, and yet we resist on taking our problems to him. And yet these problems continue to bother you, they continue to drain you, they distract you, they hold you back from being all you can be. But God is calling you to him, and he's saying what we need to do is name them, face them, and take them to Jesus that he can heal them. He desperately wants to do it. Maybe like Anisimus, you know, actually life at the moment is pretty good. But actually there's something in the past that happened. Something you did, a mistake, or something that was done to you that you struggle to tell anyone. You know, every time you think or talk about it, there's, there's anger, there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, or in many cases there's just shame. You can't face it. Anisimus started out the same. He ran away to Rome, and it was there that he met Paul and ultimately met Christ. And for a while, he lived completely in denial. Well, it's not right that I was a slave. My master treated me badly. I, I mean, I didn't actually do anything wrong. And what I stole, what I took, I mean, that was, that was belonged to me anyway. It's still good, it's still good. But one reason why Onesimus is a complete hero to me is that he doesn't stay in that place. You know, with counsel and with the help of others, he, he, he decides... And makes that choice, that first choice, to stop running and face his problems. He became transparent and open towards God and towards other people. So the first choice that Anismus made was to stop running and face his problems. He doesn't deny them. Instead, he faces them head on, trusting in God. Which brings us on to the second reason why Anismus is a hero to me. Thank you. Um, choice number two. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> I've got a child as well, so I know exactly what that's like. Okay, choice number two. 
He chose to trust in who God is. Let me ask you another question. Who do you see God as? Do you know, our view of God um, is, an answer to that question is the most important thing in determining how we do life and what we do and where we take our problems. Do you know, in his book, Sun Stand Still, Stephen Furtick teaches this incredibly simple theology. He says that God is great and God is good. Psalm 62, I think, spells it out beautifully. One thing God has spoken, two things that I, have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Is this the God that you know? Is this the God that you're taking your problems to, 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 to receive healing? God is the only one strong enough and capable enough and able enough to take your problems and deal with them. Not only that, but he also loves you enough so much that he wants to help. God is great. God is good. Anisimus knew this and he believed it. He trusted in it. But he went even further than that. More than just trusting what God was going to do, he trusted in what God had already done in him. So point number three, choice number three. He chose to trust in what God had done in him. You know, Onesimus may not have been perfect, but he had encountered a God that had captivated his heart, that had um, taken hold of his life and transformed it. And that was enough to know that he wasn't going back the same person, the same person he used to be. Philemon um, verse 11, sorry. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Do you know, on one level, this is just a clever pun on Onesimus' name. Onesimus, uh, when translated, actually just means the useful one. So Paul is basically saying, formerly, he wasn't living the best way he could. He wasn't living up to the expectation, the potential that he had. But now, he's not that same person. He's a new guy. But this is more than just a clever use of words. This is pointing, Paul is pointing to a great change that has taken place. Anisimus isn't the man that he used to be, nor does he do the same things and respond in the same way that he used to. He doesn't run away from problems. He doesn't just take whatever he wants from people. He doesn't uh, walk around life in complete denial. He now trusts entirely in the work that the Holy Spirit has done inside of him, transforming his mind, transforming his life. Formerly, he was useless to God and to others, but now... He is useful to God and to others. Now you've got to bear in mind, this wasn't anything that Onesimus himself had done. Paul hints at this in verse 18. He says, if he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. You know, Paul is locked up at this point. He's in prison. So there is no way that he can pay any debt or anything that Onesimus has done. It's just impossible. But what Paul is doing here is he's writing, reminding what God has actually done for Paul, for Philemon, for Onesimus, and for everyone else. You know, we were of no use to God. We were useless. We had sinned. We had messed up. We had chosen to do things our way and were completely, you know, just against everything that God wanted to do. And as we stood before a righteous God, a holy God that needed to do the right thing, the only right thing to do was to treat us and deal with us as the criminal that we are. 
where we were. You know, this is a God whose hands were tied. He had to be true to himself. But at the same time, he had a heaviness of heart as he looked upon us and said, man, I know exactly what you're capable of, what you could do. There are great things that you could accomplish, but you've wasted it by doing all this other stuff, and now I have to punish you for it. It's justice. However, God knew all this was going to happen way before even time itself began. And so he put put into action this great plan that Jesus would come and that he would die on that cross, that he would pay the penalty that we owed for our wrongdoing by surrendering his life. And so at that point, when the, the, the day comes when we stand before God and God has to judge, Jesus will stand there and he'll point and he'll say, if he, if she has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I will pay for it. That's undeserved love. That's grace. Formerly, we were in debt. But now we have access to God's account, which is in credit. Formerly, you were blind, but now you see. Formerly, you were dead, but now you're alive. Formerly, you were without God and without hope, but now you have a guaranteed eternal destiny. And you belong to Christ Jesus. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a friend of God. When Onesimus ran away, he thought that he was free from his master. And when he met Paul, he became free spiritually. But he was never completely free from the problem that followed him. But now Onesimus was choosing to face the problem, trusting in what God had done in his life. Formerly, he was a slave to shame, to sin. But now he is free to choose. And so he chooses to trust in God. Formerly, he was useless. But now, he is useful. Do you mind if I get a little bit personal here and, and, and share some of my experience of this? You know, as I said, when I first read this letter, it impacted me so powerfully. It changed my entire attitude and perspective of, of myself and of God. Now, when I was growing up, my, um, my middle name was Yusef. Well, it was, is. My middle name is Yusef. And when I was growing up, I was, uh, I was incredibly small, uh, very short, and incredibly scrawny. Now, this isn't very PC, but uh, I did honestly look like an Oxfam child. And I was, you know, I was generally quite healthy, but there was just not much to me. In addition to this, I was really shy, and so I didn't really, you know, talk much to people. I didn't have any confidence, really. And, uh, and then just to top it all off, as if someone's having a big joke, uh, I wasn't particularly clever either. And so it wasn't that long and before Yusuf rhymed and, and I started to have a new nickname, sadly. And that nickname was Useless. You know, it became a bit of a half-hearted joke with my family. And they've kind of referred to it every now and then. But then even when teachers turned around and said, oh, he'll never amount to anything. Nothing will ever come of him. When I realized that I was actually incredibly unpopular as a kid, as all this started to set in, this label, nickname, started to become reality. I grew up thinking and feeling that I was useless. 
Why would anyone want me to help them? Why would anyone listen to what I had to say? What could I possibly do or help or give to anyone else? So when I read this book, God spoke loudly and clearly to me. Formerly, in the past, you were called useless. But now, today, from this point onwards, I call you useful and I will use you. I had to face this word hanging over me. I had to name it. I had to take it to Jesus to heal it. And it was only when I did that did I start to feel differently. As a result, God has used me. You know, one thing is just in this place, I've been able to speak to hundreds of people about the good news, the message of Christ. I've led hundreds of people through Alpha and into a relationship with God and into a relationship in this church. God has used me and so much more. Maybe you've been living under that label too. Something or someone had spoken something over you. Well, let me say this today very clearly to you. You are not useless. Formerly you felt insignificant, you felt hopeless, you felt helpless. But now you are in the hands of the almighty, loving God, waiting to be used to impact the world and those around you. God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has an intention for your life that he has chosen you specifically for. And you will be useful to him and to those lives that you touch. Formerly you settled with whatever life dealt you. But now you want only the best that God has for you. Formerly, you made some bad decisions. You did something wrong. But now you have been forgiven and given a new life. Formerly, you ran from the truth. But now you know the truth and the truth will set you free. You are not the same person you once were. God has redeemed you. He has changed you. He has set you free. Formerly, you felt useless, but now you are useful. What former label are you living under? What problems are you struggling with today? What do you need to name, face, and take to Jesus in order for him to heal you so that you can finally let go of that thing that's holding you back and fully take hold of the future that lies before you? Formerly you were in denial, but now you're ready to stop running and face your problems, trusting in who God is and trusting in what God has done in you in order to be healed and set free. Let's go one last point, one last thing that Onesimus chose. He chose to surrender the future. Do you know, this was an incredibly dangerous thing for Paul and Onesimus to do, to send him back to where he came from. This was a time where, where um, slaves were, were being a bit naughty and, and they were causing a bit of trouble. So for Onesimus to go back, anyone else in that position would be expecting the worst. They'd be humiliated, they'd be forced to do things. Ultimately, they may end up being killed. But however, we see that Anismus chose to go back. 
but he surrenders his future. He surrenders his hand, trusting God with the results. He's not the same person he once was. He's a new person, a new creation, a new man, a new woman to go back and face that. Do you know, as I said in the beginning, there is no detailed explanation in the Bible as to what actually happened to him. But we do know that he went back. We do know that he faced it, and we do know that he was different. And for me, that's enough to convince me that he is a hero. But, however, as I started writing this talk, I I came across something that excited me. It was like a little treasure that had been slipped to me, a historical thing. You know, 50 years after this letter was written, someone called Ignatius was being taken from his church to Rome to face execution. On the way, he writes a number of letters, he scribbles a few down, that that end up going to all the churches around the area. One of these letters finds its way to Ephesus, writing about this famous church in Ephesus, which had recently closed down this incredibly horrific and equally infamous temple nearby. As a result, this church had become one of the most influential churches in the area. All thanks to their wonderful bishop. Do you know what that bishop's name was? Onesimus. Was this just coincidence? Within this letter, Ignatius refers to Onesimus as the one, get this, who was once useless, but is now, now by name and by nature the useful one. It seems this runaway slave, this runaway thief, this, one, this guy that was recent, formerly regarded as useless had now become one of the most influential men on the continent. Would you guys mind standing? And with the band, come back up. Do you know, as a, as a beautiful finishing touch to this whole thing, you know, it was here at Ephesus at this time that Paul's letters, the famous Paul and his letters, were being gathered together in what would eventually become the Bible. I can't help but imagine that this Onesimus, this bishop, was kind of overseeing this whole thing, going, no, guys, no, you've missed one. You've missed the letter. Look. And he pulls out the letter from his pocket that's held so dearly on that promise. And he hands it to these guys and says, this is authentically from Paul. And so 2,000 years later, we have this letter that doesn't, make, um, doesn't match anything else in the Bible. This incredibly personal, private letter found its way in. Do you know, today, you are all heroes. Every single one of you. But some of you are being held back from whatever it is. You know, today can be that day that you choose to stop running and face that problem. Today can be the day that you choose to trust in who God is and what he has done in you. Today is the day when you will receive that forgiveness. When you will receive that freedom that you so long for. That you will receive that healing that you so desire and God wants to give to you. There is a story waiting to be written about you. 
And there is a plan waiting for you to take hold of. Today is that day. Would you close your eyes? Let me pray. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I thank you so much that you are a God of transformation. That you are a great God that is powerful enough to take anything that we struggle with, past or present. You are a great God. You're a good God too. You love us so dearly, so much that you don't want us to struggle anymore. You desire to take that away from us, to release us, to set us free to that great plan that you have for us. You desire for the best of us. Formerly, we were useless. But today, we become useful and you will use us. Let's worship.